You are listening to Classicism and Conversation, a project of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, examining the relevance of the classical tradition today. This show is sponsored by Historical Concepts. You can find them online at historicalconcepts.com or on Instagram at historicalconcepts. From the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, I'm Kellen Krauss, and this is At Home, a vicarious look at today's creatives. These are their stories of what it's like to live as a designer. You can follow along the At Home miniseries with a special photo log on classicist.org. I don't like things that match. My name is James Caston. I work in the antiques business, and it is a great job. It's a lot of fun, and I work with really great people that I enjoy. I live in Manhattan in a place called Stuyvesant Town, which looks like a huge city of brick buildings. Some people think it has a brutalist look from the outside, which I like. After World War II, there was a huge housing shortage. And so they tore down the whole neighborhood. It was called the Gas House District. And they built Stuyvesant Town. I have lived there for 38 years. And I have a one-bedroom apartment. And I absolutely adore my apartment. I love it. I don't have dreams of living anywhere else. I feel very lucky to live there. Stuyvesant Town is rather like a little village on its own. Some people think it looks like a project. It's not a project. It's not a part of New York City that has stores in it or restaurants. You walk in... It's very green. There are a lot of trees. There's a small park in there. One of the things that's nice about the apartments is that every room has a window, which is very special. The bathroom has a window. The kitchen has a window. There are a lot of buildings I've been in where maybe an 80s building, they don't have a window in the bathroom, window in the kitchen. It's interesting how I got there. In 1947, my grandmother and grandfather moved into Stuyvesant Town. They had lived in a tenement apartment on 21st Street, and they moved in there and lived there for many years. And then my grandmother lived there by herself after my grandfather died. When I got out of college, I was working in... Manhattan, and I lived with my parents in Long Island, and I stayed with my grandmother. And after a while, I just moved in with my grandmother. She was fantastic. I adored her. I loved her with all my heart. I didn't know that those were going to be the last couple of years of her life. I think because I was living with her, she was very happy. She wasn't lonely. The two of us sat and talked together. And I got to hear a lot of stuff about our family as she didn't talk to me like a child anymore because I was grown up. When she passed away, 
the people that ran Stuyvesant Town, they allowed me to keep the apartment. It's completely different now. It was a two-bedroom, and I wasn't making much money back then. And I asked my friend Kirk if he wanted to come live with me, because he was living in the George Washington Hotel, which was a bit of a dump. Kirk, after 11 years or so, he moved out, bought his own apartment. I remember he spent $110,000 on a four-roomed apartment which was amazing, price-wise. It would probably be a million dollars now. And I had the two-bedroom apartment and made no money that year. I was a freelance illustrator and graphic artist. Sometimes you'd make money, sometimes you wouldn't. The rent had gone up and up and up over the 11 years. And I asked, would it be possible for me to move to a one-bedroom apartment that would be less expensive? I had been living there since 82 without my grandmother, and I had been living there since 1979 with my grandmother. They called me a week later, and they said, James, we have an apartment for you. The rent is five fifty a month. You have to say yes or no right now. I knew what the apartment would look like because they all look alike. And when I moved into it, it was spick and span. It hadn't been changed. It still had kind of an Art Deco looking kitchen. And oh, wow, I lived by myself. And it was amazing. I had a lot of stuff that I moved in there. And I think for the first couple of years, aside from working, I moved furniture around constantly, constantly, restlessly rearranging my furniture and rehanging pictures on the walls. If you take a picture off the wall, there's guaranteed to be 24 little holes in the wall from where they've been moved. I papered the apartment. I went to the art supply store and I got large sheets of a paper called elephant hide paper. It had like a slight texture to it, not raised, but veiny looking. And I put the paper on the walls in these rectangles, alternating the khaki color and sort of a sage green color. I had a ball living there and changing things all the time and having my friends over and we would have these potluck suppers where everybody brought something i'd say i wouldn't tell anybody what to bring because i wanted food that doesn't go together and it to be like absolutely weird and it certainly was i'm an antiques collector since i was a kid my parents went to auctions and things like that. I went with my parents or my other grandmother. This grandmother was called Nanny and she was hilariously funny. She had no idea how funny she was. And she had a very wonderful dry deadpan delivery of anything she said. When I went antiquing with her, she was very careful. She wasn't a spendthrift. 
she would leave an auction without buying anything if she didn't see anything she liked. What I liked as a child, I liked old tins, tins with lithography on them, tins that somebody used for a sewing kit. I would dump the sewing kit out. And then into those tins, I would put other tins. So my parents used to call me a bag lady because I had boxes within boxes, bags within bags, and tins within tins. And in the tins, I had all sorts of pens to draw with and art supplies and things like that. The tins got out of hand, and I moved on to cigar boxes. I still have all this stuff, by the way. And the cigar boxes took up a little less room. I started collecting the object, all kinds of things. I graduated from Syracuse, moved back down to New York, got an apartment on 21st Street, dragged all my immense collection of tins and boxes and God knows what up the six flights of stairs. It was unbelievable. I would walk through Gramercy Park on the way home, and there was a particular night when they were allowed to throw furniture out on Gramercy Park. Well, they threw really great furniture out, and I would drag it home, and I would hump it up the stairs on my back on the sixth floor walk up and drag it into the apartment. And my roommate would go, oh, Oh, Jimmy, what what did you drag home now? Oh, isn't there enough in here already? And I said, no, there's never enough. When I moved in with my grandmother in Stuyvesant Town, I had this furniture that I just couldn't bring to my grandmother's apartment. There was no room for it. So instead of dragging it down the six flights of stairs, I just went up one flight and left it all on the roof. I thought, well, somebody's going to get lucky or they're going to hate it. I have a partner also, Kim. He's not really into collecting. He tolerates it. He even helped me move furniture around for a while. At one point, he said, okay, I'm done with moving furniture. And I said, okay, I understand. I would find a book by an author that I liked, and I would search for their books all over the place and usually find them. There used to be a shop in the Hamptons called the Ladies Village Improvement Society, something like that. There was a press called the Virago Modern Classics, and they printed books by forgotten women novelists. Oh, that was so wonderful. I'm the type of person that if I read a book and like it, I want to find out everything about the author and I want to read his or her other books. I don't go to the library because I don't like to think of how many people touched the books. I keep them. And it's only recently that there became kind of way too many books in my apartment. 
So I did start to go through books that I don't love, and I put them downstairs in the foyer, and people take them. And I absolutely keep the books that I really care about. One time, these two people in my building, I gave them a cup of tea, and they came up to my apartment. And the first thing one of them said, she said, oh my God, how can you stand all these books? I got a little icy and I said, how can I stand all these books? Are you kidding me? The story of my life is looking at those books. I remember when I read that one, I remember where I was. I remember where I lived. I remember how I felt when I read it. Each piece reminds me of where it came from. I have a really beautiful Chinese table. It's black and it's probably from about 1910. My mother had a friend named Ming Li and two children, my age and my brother's age, Han Yi and Han Wai, and her husband, Richard. And they were both teachers at St. John's University. Ming, somehow she smuggled a container of her furniture out of China during the Cultural Revolution. It was in the early 60s. Mao Zedong was running the country and Due to some of his machinations, he caused most of the people in China to starve. My brother and I, when we were little boys, people used to say, parents, grandmothers, finish your dinner, there are children starving in China. I was kind of a brat, I guess. And I'd say, well, wrap it up and send it to China because I'm not eating it. Anyway, Ming, Ming sold some of her furniture to my mother and was happy to do it because they needed money and my mother liked really beautiful things and so after all these years i have some of ming's furniture that was smuggled out during the awful cultural revolution there's a console table with a huge mirror over it, and it's just beautiful. And I like American Empire, big, heavy-looking pieces of furniture. It is eclectic. I can't explain it, but there is something that ties it all together in my mind. I don't like things that match. Matching looks like a hotel sometimes. I see a lot of people, their bedrooms look like hotels. I don't like matching end tables, matching lamps. I just think it's awful. I don't mind it at the hotel. I just don't like it in my house or anybody's house, actually. Usually the matching things come in pairs or they sell these god-awful bedroom sets that are all the same. Everything's the same. The dresser, the high boy, the bed, 
the headboard on the bed and the end tables, it's all the exact same. Every single thing that I have purchased has meaning. Everything. Every piece of artwork, every piece of furniture, almost every book. 19th century transferware, China, with oriental designs on it. Reverse paintings on glass. I kind of have a thing for fish, fish plates, paintings. I have tons of artwork. I have lots and lots and lots of artwork of many years. The artwork that I have hanging on the walls is all pretty old. There's nothing new. It really looks like it's from a different time. There are some interesting even Courier and Ives, which people think of as little Christmas scenes and stuff like that, they had some weird stuff, like a circus family and just bizarre stuff. I like that. My work, I feel, belongs in a book. It's something to have and hold, as opposed to having it on the wall. You walk in the front door and it's a small way in. I open the door and if there's a bunch of people coming in, I have to back up and plaster myself against the wall in order to get them in the apartment. The first room you go through, Stuyvesant Town calls it a dining room, which makes the room, including the living room, an L shape. I don't like the L shape. So I have fixed it so it doesn't appear to be an L shape. The part you walk through first is lined with books. Now they're not built in bookshelves, they're old bookcases with glass doors on them, framed in walnut or whatever. What you see when you walk in are a lot of pictures edge to edge on the wall above the bookcases, and then you see a lot of books. And then the way I've arranged the furniture is complicated. We have a small TV, it's not hidden. It sits on top of a small miniature, well, they call it a commode, but people think of a toilet when they hear the word commode. It's a small chest of drawers, but it's very small, it's miniature. And the TV sits on top of that, and the receiver or whatever goes with it is located under a bookcase it's near the sofa if it was too far away we wouldn't be able to see it it's a little bigger than a computer screen but it works i have a desk jutting out from the wall with a bookcase on top of it and then on the other side of that i have a aesthetic movement cabinet from about 1880, and that creates a wall. I have a 19th century skinny iron bed that's probably from a prison or a poorhouse, and I've turned that into a daybed. It's quite beautiful. There are random chairs all over the place. There are a lot of dressers in the living room. There's a partner's desk 
it's perpendicular to the window. And my partner and I actually do sit on either side of it and quietly work. My side, unfortunately, or perhaps it's not so unfortunate, is crowded. There's a miniature cathedral sitting on my side of the partner's desk, but it's huge. And then there's a small cabinet sitting on a table, not that small, and it's filled with all my small sketchbooks. I like to draw, and it's like my favorite thing to do. There are a lot of small lamps as opposed to like one big lamp. Lighting is very important. And task lighting, like one of those old factory lights. I've got one over the keyboard so that I can see the keyboard and old vases that were turned into lamps in the 1920s and things like that. I bought a fabulous bed in a place called Ile-sur-le-Sorgue, south of Paris. It's a brass bed. It's very masculine looking. I have very masculine taste. Straight edges, dark wood. It's easier to say what's feminine than what's masculine. Feminine would be flowers. I don't really like flowers. They're too colorful. They're like a riot of color somehow. There is color in there, but it's controlled. I like the color to come from smaller pieces, like a pillow, rather than paint a room some hot green or something like that. The worst thing you can do to a small room is paint it white and keep it simple. I think that's the worst thing you can do. It makes it look like a prison cell. But if you do something interesting with the walls and put lots of artwork on the wall and the right size bed, etc., the eye has lots of things to look at and it's not a bare uh, prison cell. Marvelous things you can do where there's a will, there's a way. Let's say you have a lot of things in your apartment all rather special to you. I've noticed that if they stay in one place too long, I don't really see them that much anymore. So I talk to them and I say, sorry, babe, you're gonna move. You're getting out of here. You are gonna go over on that table and then something from that table, you are going to move over to the bookcase. And it brings things alive again. And I sometimes think of it as exercising the furniture or exercising the whatnots, letting them stretch their legs a little bit. I like sharing my apartment. I like that it's mine and it's different. That's what I like. I really like personal style, very personal style. Probably nobody else has the same thing. A lot of people do have personal style, which is just beautiful, but it's not the same as anybody else's. The furniture, in a way, is like an old train. Train cars are connected by a coupling at the bottom. You probably could put coupling under everything, and everything could 
if it was on wheels, could go out like a train out the door. They could go down, they could ride down the side of the building and then out on the street. I could sit on the dresser and direct it. The apartment is only so big, you know, it's not enormous. It's not tiny, but it's not enormous. And it's quite full. So I've gotten to a point where I, I mustn't buy any big cabinets, big dressers, secretary. I mustn't buy any more case pieces. I actually need to get rid of one because I've, I've gone a little bit too far. It's the opposite of Marie Kondo. Sometimes when I visit someone and they have a completely different style than I do, unless they like matched everything. I know I went on about the matching, but I just can't stand it. But other people's taste can be like a vacation. Going to someone's house or apartment that is so different than your own, it can feel like a refreshing vacation to be there. Oh, it's a great feeling to come home because even though there's a lot of stuff in there, it's very cohesive. To me, it looks like it all belongs together. There's a certain way that it really does look good together. And it is a very warm place. Many thanks to our sponsor, Historical Concepts. Find them online at historicalconcepts.com or on Instagram at historicalconcepts. At Home is a production of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, a national nonprofit promoting the practice, understanding, and appreciation of classical design. To become a member and learn about additional programming, visit classicist.org. This episode was produced by Justin Kegley and Kellen Krauss and edited by Kellen Krauss and engineered by Justin Kegley.